I was, yeah, seriously fearful for my life. I, I, I reckon I had, you know, two to five minutes left because I was already um, hypothermic. I was already struggling um, to swim. Um, if they hadn't plucked me out when they did, I, I wouldn't be here to have this conversation with you. So yeah, that was, um, that was, that was fantastic. Yeah, my name is Dermot Ryan, and I'm from Dublin in Ireland. I've been living in the UK for about 12 years. I, I live in Southwick near Brighton. I, I was out walking one day um, in Dublin, and there's a little kind of local beauty spot called Kalini Hill. And I saw these guys launching these things that looked like parachutes, and I was kind of fascinated by it. And I went over and had a chat with one of the guys, because I'd been into aviation for a long time. I'd had a, uh, some lessons in a glider, and I had lessons in a microlight, but it was always like way too expensive like hundreds of pounds an hour for the training. And uh, this guy said, oh yeah, you can, you can get in the air for about five grand. I thought, yeah, excellent. <laughs> so I spent the next six months doing as much research as I could on the internet, I found out all about it. I watched every video I could find and uh, I signed up at a local school in Ireland. Oh, there's absolutely nothing like it. It's it's the closest you can get to flying as free as a bird. You've got no structure around you. You've got no, it's not like an airplane where you're sitting inside. There's there's nothing between you and the air. It's 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 a, it's hard to describe. It's, it, it's the sense of freedom is absolutely amazing. Well, I was due to go to work at three o'clock and the weather was really good. Um, the winds were in the right direction for the cliffs at uh, New Haven and they were, you know, the, the right strength, the right direction. I, I think myself and Paul, my, my mate, arrived about half ten. We took off. We flew for about 40 minutes. I flew all the way down as far as um, Saltine and then back along the cliffs again, back to the takeoff, landed, had a, had a cigarette, warmed my hands up, had, had a, a drink of water. And I thought I'll squeeze in another like 40 minutes before I have to go to work took off on the second flight, did, made the serious mistake of not taking into, into account the state of the tide. And really, as soon as I took off, I, you, you, you fly down on, on the kind of south-facing cliffs and then they curve around to the southwest. You go around the corner. They call it the, the point. You go around the point. Even before I got to the point, I looked back and I saw that it was out of range of the beach. I, I, at that stage, I, even before I flew around the corner, I knew I was in trouble. I had no choice but to continue forward because if I turned back, I would have ended up in the water. It was 100% pilot error, you know, just a silly thing to do when the tide was coming in. Because as soon as I went around the corner, I started losing altitude. I was down below the top of the cliffs. And as soon as you go below the, the top of the cliffs, you're, you're, you're going down. I've landed at the bottom loads of times and walked out. And, you know, if the tide's out, it's not usually an issue. Um, although the rocks can be quite slippery, but there's loads of little beaches and the little coves, and you can usually do a spot landing on one of the little beaches. Um, but on that day, uh, I, I knew, I knew I was going to end up in the water. I knew the tide was going to come in before we could get out. I realised I've got to pack up as quickly as I can, and I've got to move as as far west as I can because I knew there were some bigger beaches to the west and that the tide wouldn't uh, wouldn't be up against the cliff quite as soon. So, you know, to, I knew I was going to end up in the water, 
and I knew I was going to be rescued from the water and I knew hypothermia was going to be, you know, what killed me if, if, if that's what happened. So I packed up as quickly as I can. I called my friend Paul on takeoff and asked him to alert the Coast Guard. And, and Trevor landed maybe about a minute after me. And I said to him, pack up as quickly as you can and follow me. I was literally running along the beach, talking to Paul on the phone and looking back over my shoulder to see how far um, Trevor was behind me because we, we just had to get as west as, as quickly as we could. So, yeah, eventually the tide cut us off, but we, we found a slightly bigger cove where the, you know, the water wasn't going to come in as quickly, um, which was just going to minimise the amount of time we were in the water. Um, and also when you pack up your gear, there's loads of air in the bag, so the rucksack acts like a flotation device. Um, as, the, as the tide was coming in, it was, you know, eventually it was around our ankles and then eventually it was around our knees. And there was a little chalk cliff on the, the west side of the, um, the cove, which was a little bit higher, so we climbed up on that. Um, I made sure to put my balaclava on, my helmet on, my gloves on, zip up my jacket really well, trying, you know, have as much insulation as possible. I, and luckily I had a big kind of puffy jacket on which trapped lots of air inside it. And that kind of acted like a, almost like a, a life jacket. We were on the beach for about half an hour. And I guess we were in the water for about half an hour. It was the way I would describe it. It's like being in an industrial washing machine and it's set on the freeze to death cycle. That's how I would describe it. It was very, very scary. It was very, very scary. Um, but, you know, I couldn't allow myself to panic. I had to just keep thinking, what can I do? What can I do? What's, what can I do to keep myself alive here? You know, it, it's, 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 it, it's all about survival. It's about, you know, if I, can, if I can keep my head above water, I can still breathe. If I can still breathe, I can still swim. If I can swim, I've got a chance of getting away from this and I've got a chance of them picking me up. So I just had to keep going. Now, I, yeah, when the lifeboat came, it was, oh, great, you know, but because of the, the waves were crashing off the cliffs and then bouncing back and the water's quite shallow there, the lifeboat had to stay about 500 metres offshore and they launched a little um, a little uh, rigid inflatable boat, which, you know, we were watching them launch and it seemed to take forever, but it was probably only about four or five minutes, you know. But then when the, when the rib came in, they couldn't get closer than about, you know, 50 to 100 metres away from us because the, the waves were bouncing off the cliff, hitting the ones going back in. It was like really, really dodgy. There he is. You're gonna to have to make a snatch and grab at this. Now I'm gonna come around side, starboard side too. Out the front, mate, out the front, because we're not gonna have any. You got him? It's hard to describe what that felt like. That that's like I'm, I know I'm gonna live. I was yeah, seriously fearful for my life. I, I I reckon I had, you know, two to five minutes left. Got all of you, mate. Don't worry. We're just trying to get us out of this surf. I can remember getting my arms over the side of the boat and just clinging on for dear life and saying, I'm not letting go of this, no matter what. How are you feeling? You all right? Can you talk to us? When the little rib came alongside the big lifeboat, they, they tried to get me to sit up and I couldn't. My, my body had just shut down. Um, they had to like manhandle me on board. And I spent the, um, the trip back into New Haven, basically lying on the deck of the boat. Um, they had wrapped me up in towels. I remember there was one crew member had his hand on my shoulder and he was talking to me the whole time. And, and just that, that human touch, um, I, get, I get quite emotional when I think about it. Um, that, just that reassurance really, um, that, that was absolutely wonderful. That was wonderful. I suppose the next morning, 
know, uh, early Christmas morning was when I really started to think, wow, that was, you know, I can remember I can remember getting up and going out in the garden to have a cigarette, looking up at the sky and it was kind of blue skies with little puffy clouds and uh, just a wave of euphoria washed over me thinking, wow, it feels good to be alive. Hello, this is Joanna Scanlon. You've been listening to the RNLI's 200 Voices collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org 200 voices or subscribe to RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Two Hundred Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.